You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And this week's guest is Mikko Honkanen, the co-founder at Vainu. Maybe the biggest surprise was that it was going pretty much by the book and by the plan. We're back with a new episode of the SAS Nordic podcast. Yes, we are. And again, once again, we're in Finland. Yeah, it's always great to hear about our Finnish colleagues in the SAS business. And uh, looking forward to that, more of that in a while. But we have a big announcement. We do, we do. Actually, uh, today we just launched a CEO network and we've been running this in stealth mode for the past seven months, fine-tuned it, perfected it, and today... We're actually making it publicly available for anybody. Yeah, and it's not like we're gonna gather all CEOs in one big bunch. We were aiming to create smaller, high-quality groups. You will be in between six and twelve people, uh, so you really can build this strong relationship, being able to trust each other within the group. Also, we will make sure that you are roughly in the same phase when it comes to your company, when it comes to your growth and uh, your revenue. And um, we will make sure also that there is no competition within the group. So if you're interested in this, we urge you to sign up now. You can go into uh, the sasnordic.com website and you will find the link for the CEO network there. Awesome. Looking forward to, to catching you all there. Absolutely. And something else we are looking forward to is what we're actually doing tonight. So we are going to Copenhagen. For me, it's the first time in two years. And we are meeting some of the Danish SaaS companies there. It is. And I can't say it's, it's the first time for me in uh, two years. I'm there almost every day. <laughs> but it's, it's really nice to see the, the SaaS Nordic community coming together in the local cities as well. So a big thanks to 23 for, for hosting us today and all the SaaS Nordic members. And we're looking forward to a fantastic event absolutely hopefully it's going to be great yeah i'm sure it will so that was that for us and uh, now we're going to talk to Mikko Honkanen the co-founder at Vainu today we are very happy to have Mikko Honkanen the co-founder at Vainu here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast so welcome Mikko thank you so much thanks for having me we're so excited to have you here. You are a difficult man to get hold of. Is, is, is that true? I think on LinkedIn it, it was pretty easy, but I mean, <laughs> quite a few emails. So LinkedIn is maybe a little bit easier, but happy that we managed to connect finally. Definitely. No, we're, we're so thrilled to have you here and, and uh, to have you on the show and to hear your story. Yeah, good to be here. But before we dive into Vainu, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, live in Helsinki, Finland. Um, Obviously involved in quite a few SaaS businesses outside work. I still play football. I also, I am Finnish champion in beach soccer. Oh, wow. So obviously, I mean, it's all about choosing a sport that is not that competitive. The only way to be <laughs> Finnish, Finnish champion. Um, I have two daughters and, and wife. So they're two and five. So the daughter's keeping me busy, of course. So lots of things going on all the time. Yeah. What's the best beach in Finland? Best beach in Finland. We actually play often in Estonia, uh-huh. in Pärnu. Oh, okay. That, that's, I, would, I would almost say that you have to take a boat and a ferry to Estonia <laughs> and then you go to Pärnu to play beach soccer. It's, it's, it sounds like you're still very active. So, the, sorry, Thomas. Now the, the episode is derailing. I'm a big football fan. So tell us, is there a big league or like 
How does this work? In beat soccer, you mean? Yes, yes. Yeah, so we have um, an, like a tournament um, every summer, and that's how we end up having one winner um, for Finland, like a country champion. Mm -hmm. But then the, the winner of, of the tournament gets a chance to uh, go to Nazaré in Portugal to play in sort of what's like Champions League for beat soccer. Wow. So we have been there once, and next May we'll go there again. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, you feel like being a real athlete, uh, <laughs> so that's 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 awesome. But uh, and of course, nice to be in touch with old friends and all that. I I knew this would be a great episode because we have suddenly the Yari Litmanen of beach football <laughs> from Finland. Yes, <laughs> that's that's great. All right, but going back to the SaaS business a little bit here. So um, Vino is not the first SaaS company you have been with. So could you tell us a little bit about your career as well? Yeah, I joined Meltwater. Um, 2007 end of 2007 so that was the first SaaS experience i had moved to stockholm sweden and um, back then meltwater which is a norwegian SaaS company and these days publicly listed company so doing media media and social media intelligence so they didn't have an office in finland so i moved to stockholm and first task was to together with some colleagues to set up the first office in helsinki finland Ended up enjoying it a lot, spent seven years at Meltwater, quite a few different roles. I was running sales in the Nordics, ended up spending a few years in San Francisco where they have headquarters these days. So got a chance to work with the US market as well. And then <clears throat> it was actually during my time at Meltwater when we got this idea together with Pietari and uh, Tuomas, two friends that I knew uh, from school that we would like to build a solution that would help all the other salespeople and account managers and marketeers to actually have fresh company data uh, in their fingertips all the time. But yeah, I spent seven years at Meltwater and now, and then, then we launched Binu in 2014. That's great. Uh, I think a lot of the people that are listening to our show uh, know, know Vinu pretty well, but in case there would be somebody that doesn't know you guys, why don't you give us the, the backstory? Who's Vinu? What do you guys do? Yep. In all honesty, I think it might be the case that most people have a feeling that they know Vino. I think many people might uh, think that Vino is a prospecting platform. So a SaaS solution, you log in, you use the filters we have to find companies. And yes, that's something we, we do and something that was the main solution when we launched the company. But I think it might be a surprise for quite a few people that the, the main and the core business we focus on these days is to provide company data and deliver that data uh, to CRMs and marketing automation systems. So we've been putting a lot of focus on building connectors and integrations with CRMs and marketing automation systems. And our, our job is to deliver very accurate and uh, company data and we want to have of course lots of proprietary data points as well so we're building a global company database we want to cover um, all the nordic companies of course but also companies outside the nordics and collect lots of unique interesting accurate data points about those companies and then make sure that uh, that those insights and that information can be used in CRMs such as Salesforce, HubSpot, Pipedrive, Dynamics, Web CRM, and so on. Okay. So that's that's really what we do. It's a SaaS business. We sell data, information, and insights about companies. 
All right, and you've been around since 2014, and we we are going to dive down in the early days uh, because we're you're a bootstrapped company, and we are interested in you know how all of that started and uh, what these decisions you have had to to do along the way. But first, uh, I mean, the ideal customer profile for you right now, what does that look like? Yes, um, it's a of course B two B company that wants to be data driven when it comes to their own sales and marketing processes uh, a good indicator for that is that they use a modern crm and marketing automation system so it might be a hubspot customer it might be a salesforce customer pipedrive customer dynamics customer uh, that's by far the most important thing that they have something in place then if we think of more traditional like uh, industries um, like what are the industries where vinyl um, seems to have a strong footprint of course finance insurance, technology, lots of SaaS companies, of course, uh, recruitment, talent acquisition. I mean, all the industries where um, you want to be data-driven and, and where you can use insights to find the not only the best customers and prospects to go after, but also where timing is critical so that we try to provide it the best possible timing and also reason why to be in touch with these prospects and customers. Okay. Right. And is there a particular size of, of organizations that are more interesting for you guys than others? Yeah, obviously, uh, we don't want to focus too much on tiny uh, companies and micro companies. I mean, they we do have some of those as well. But uh, since the main focus is to make sure that we integrate our data with their CRMs and marketing automation systems, that typically means that you have often like a sales ops team or revenue ops team in place, meaning that it, maybe it's not for tiny customers, but any any company that has like, I don't know, 50 employees plus, then you typically start thinking that maybe I need a ops team. I want to have a CRM in place. I want to have some sort of sales and marketing playbook in place. And, and those companies are, of course, perfect for us. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. So let's dig into some of the numbers. Uh, why don't you tell us Vino in numbers? Like how big is your ARR? Yeah, ARR is roughly 13 million euros. We're um, roughly 130, 140 uh, employees. Um, we have this one goal always in mind that we want to hit rule of 40, mm -hmm. meaning that growth uh, percentage and EBITDA uh, margin combined being 40. And that's we're definitely uh, hitting that one. So looks good for that one. So those are like the core numbers. Uh, I think what's unique, especially if we want to focus on the early years, we actually... As, as mentioned, we bootstrapped uh, the company and uh, we grew super quickly uh, to 10 million euro. How quick was that For, from zero to 10 million? How long time did that take? If I say three, three and a half years, maybe that's wow. about right. And I mean, it's fast, especially um, if you keep in mind that we did not have any external funding. We didn't have any like advisors. We just built the product and started um, selling it and, and providing it for customers. But one thing that was also fairly obvious when we hit 10 million was that we had basically two completely different segments when it comes to customers. We had one segment performing very nicely and then another segment that was not performing that well. Mm -hmm. So if I start with the segment that was not performing, it was all these tiny companies, SMBs that used us as a standalone platform. Right. And it sort of makes sense if you think about the data business. If if you're a small company and you buy access to a database like Vinu, maybe you do a couple of searches and then you have thousands of companies, thousands of prospects, and it might be all you need. 
So then when we started looking at retention numbers, we saw that we have world-class numbers with bigger companies who actually started to integrate our data with their CRMs and marketing automation systems, meaning that there was some sort of workflow in place. And we saw really nice retention numbers in that segment. So then in 2018, uh, roughly 2018 during the summertime, we made actually a pretty um, tough decision and we said that we'll go all in with this segment a little bit bigger companies they have to integrate with crm and marketing automation we basically said no to quite a few millions of annual recurring revenue and we just said that that's not the market we want to be in that's brave yeah and uh, i think it now when i look back i'm super happy that we did it even though of course it, it means a um, couple of years of transformation mm. but we just felt that it's so important for any SaaS business to have really good retention numbers so that you actually work with those uh, customers uh, for a long time and not only that you have lots of customers who use you for a few months and then they move on because they have already got everything they they needed so right. then we decided to put a lot of focus on integrations workflows uh, api development and definitely a good decision because now most of our customers are in that segment and it makes growth a lot easier and it, it's also easier for us to stay focused when it comes to sales and marketing but also product development wise right do you think it was easier for you since you were still founder or employee owned to make that decision not having to make an argument with like an external vc that you should say no to these millions of arrs uh, potentially or was it still i mean a, a big debate internally that you had to no not, not super big debate because i think at the end of the day you want to work with a customer segment where you have a feeling that we're really creating value long-term value for this company so i think keeping that in mind it was actually a fairly easy decision and i think it was a little bit easier to do because we didn't have lots of external stakeholders right i mean of course, I don't know how it would have been if we had had VCs or private equity companies um, on the board or something like that. But we just felt that we want to be, we want to work with customers where we know how we build long-term value for them. We wanted to make sure that we know that uh, lifetime value, customer lifetime value is good, and um, it's a journey we start together. And Obviously, we also knew that then we needed to change quite a few things when it comes to sales playbook, marketing playbook, right. messaging, uh, all that. But uh, I'm actually happy that we didn't have any yeah. VCs or private equity companies back then because we were able to make the decision then. Right, right. I actually want to go back to to call them the infant days of, of your of your journey, and I'm curious a little bit. Like you and your your two friends, you had this idea, and you said like, "Let's do this." One thing that I'm always curious about is like, okay. It sounds like you, you were profitable fairly early, but how did you initially fund this exercise? Yeah, I think all of us, we put in 20,000 euros. So that's the that was the initial investment. So that times three. Uh, so we put in uh, roughly 60,000 euros. And uh, then we did not pay out any salaries uh, for six months, first six months. So then obviously it meant that we needed some savings, but we didn't have an office space, so we just used all that money to uh, basically develop uh, the first MVP version of the software. And then we were uh, able to start closing business and bringing in customers very early on. We also decided that we'll 
invoice one year upfront, which um, is obviously a good way to fund your company. So we, we started doing sales very early on and then we invoiced upfront. So that's how we then ended up in a situation six months after the start that we were able to bring in external people. So we hired some salespeople and a couple of developers more. And we also started paying out some small salaries for the for the founders. But that's that's really what we needed. So you mentioned that uh, this exercise took six months before you could take a small salary. But did you have did you talk before that we can do this for a year or we can do this for two years or what was your plan from the beginning? No, I think we we sort of knew um, because we were very data driven from day one. So we of course like sales and marketing wise we knew exactly how much traffic we have on the site we knew if we get demo requests we knew how many phone calls we were making we knew how many meetings we can land with those phone calls we knew how many proposals we were sending out we started collecting information about the hit rate and i mean we just calculated that it shouldn't take more than six to 12 months and then we should be sort of cash flow positive we should have customers coming in and a steady uh, cash flow coming from new customers that would then fund the basic operations so that's how we did it also in finland uh, i don't know how the situation is in other nordic countries but there are government-owned organizations that are sort of giving subsidies for you business finland is the entity in in finland i think there's business suite and vinnova uh, vext fund and that type of organizations in other nordic countries so they helped us of course a little bit you can take some uh product development loans and even some uh, grants and subsidies from the government and th- that of course helped a little bit as well. So was there anything in that original uh, cash flow plan of yours that surprised you that didn't go according to plan? No, I think maybe the biggest surprise was that it was going pretty much by the book and by the plan because of course you're always you want to make sure that you're ready for surprises but the initial sort of sales plan and, and the forecast that we created uh, it was surprisingly accurate i think of course partly because of luck but also we had background in in very data-driven sales environment so from the meltwater days we knew exactly like what's the hit rate and how many proposals you need to send out and obviously if you're good at sales you can read between the lines and, and see if the case is moving forward or not so it was fairly easy to get the get the pulse of the of the market early on so it sounds like you had good data behind and could understand how you grew and how you could get profitable. But uh, what about costs? How did you work to cut on costs from the beginning? No, I mean, we didn't have lots of cost, obviously, because we were building the software in-house. We were selling the software by using our own um, founding team. We did not have an office space. So it's not that many invoices you have to pay and then we all invested as i said roughly 20k so we knew pretty well that okay the biggest sort of investment we have to make is when we start bringing in other people and start paying out salaries okay and when did you get your first office yeah january 2015 so if the official start date was august 2014 it was five months later that's when we rented a small office space in in Helsinki. You're doing too fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all the things right. Uh, too much according to plan. Yeah. So Th- Don't worry, Thomas. We'll find something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But, uh, I mean, you mentioned that you started hiring people around six months into to the business. And uh, 
how was that? I mean, being a bootstrap company, not having maybe a lot of money to offer new employees. Um, how did you go about that? Yeah, we used our own networks. So I think, for example, one of the first people who joined the sales team, uh, he actually came from our football team. Okay. Uh, <laughs> first trainee that we hired, by the way, nowadays a person who's running our business in Finland, he, he joined as a trainee also from our football team. I think then um, Tuomas, who was uh, the technical co-founder, he had a couple of other software businesses um, on, on his belt. So then he knew lots of developers, the first hire uh, for, for the development side, also from the network. So we heavily relied on the network because obviously we did not have a brand name and we were not able to compete in terms of base salary and OTs and all that. But I think you need to find people you really know and trust. Also some uh, individuals applied and uh, of course we put a lot of focus on the recruitment round so that we really bring in a strong founding team and I think that's what we did out of those six people uh, who joined January and Feb in 2015 I think four um, still with the company so wow. even though it's uh, six years. So what do you think about the seniority there when you want to transition from founder-led sales? Do you need to hire a VP of sales that I know is very expensive, right, Daniel? <laughs> or, or do you rather take someone more junior and train them and, and help them? So any thoughts on that? I would definitely train. Uh, Sorry, Daniel. Uh, no, person <laughs> there goes that. Because that. And, and the reason is that, I mean, obviously an external experienced VP sales might work, but it's important that the experience they have is from similar setup. I don't think it helps if you if you have been VP sales at Salesforce and then you join a startup that has no name, it has no marketing generated leads, you need to really build it, uh, everything yourself. Mm. Uh, it, it's like a different job, but if you have a strong VP sales who has been part of building startups and building sales teams and CS teams from scratch, then I think it might work. But the route we took, we just felt that, okay, let's bring in people with the right type of attitude, people who are eager to become uh, sales professionals in the SaaS and data space, and uh, then we'll train them. And then obviously that's also what happened. They, they took more responsibilities. They started running their own teams and nowadays uh, some of those individuals are, for example, country managers and responsible for uh, the business. Did you give away equity in an early stage to uh, new employees? Or? Yeah, we did a couple of ESPP rounds um, in the during the first three or four years. So um, we, some individuals, roughly, I think, 20 key employees, they had a chance to buy shares. And of course, most of them used that opportunity. So that's what we did the first four years. After that, we have done a couple of, um, we have built a program for options. But yes, we uh, wanted to make sure that they're highly committed and organized uh, employee stock purchase programs. SAS Nordic is growing and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer -peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com, we can't wait to have you on board. Uh, we're also a little bit curious, you know, obviously when, when you start your business and, and you're bootstrapping, 
like there's so many things technically you need to do, you want to do for your business to grow. Mm-hmm. But in your experience, you don't have an endless amount of money. Is there certain areas that have a higher priority? In terms of building the product or in terms of building the company? In terms of building the company. Where where are you investing the money? That could be product, sales, marketing, wherever that is. No, I, I think it's all about being extremely focused and focused around solving something for the end customer. And uh, for us, what that meant was that we wanted to build a product that is simple enough to use. Uh, It needs to be easy to define what the product does and also what the product does not do. It needs to be easy to define an ideal customer. And we wanted to do sales early on so that we could collect unfiltered feedback from the market. Because of course, if we just ask from individuals what they think about the idea, people want to be nice. So you will hear lots of polite things and they say that it's a great idea, you should do it. But I think if you start selling whatever you have early on, then you get unfiltered feedback because we're basically asking people to invest both time and money, Mm. right? So then you get this sort of real feedback. And especially if that comes from individuals you don't know from before, I think that's a super good uh, way to validate your product market fit. So that's that's what we did. And I think that would be my piece of advice that you really focus on the pain, pain point and challenge you're solving. And you put a lot of focus on the customer and you make sure that you speak with them, meaning that you start doing sales and marketing early on. It sounds a little bit that you you started with sales and may, maybe not with marketing that that come a little bit later. Am I right there? Or yeah, I mean we started doing very systematic sales basically first day. So we picked how many how many phone calls we did like outbound sales and and obviously we used our own product to find the best possible companies to go after. So yes, we tracked everything and very much like outbound sales, data driven outbound sales. Uh, Then marketing-wise, I don't have any background in marketing, but we felt that let's just do something. So we built a a website on top of WordPress, and uh, we created one very single call to action, request a demo. And um, I started writing a blog post once a month, and then I asked my own network to like it and share it and promote it. And we actually ended up getting some good inbound leads. I remember already uh, after one month, so that was September 2014, we got an inbound lead from a, a publicly listed company in Finland. Customers still today, also I guess the biggest recruitment uh, company in the Nordics, also inbound demo request September 2014, still customers using us in many many countries. So. Uh, it wasn't that crowded back then in the content marketing field. Uh, it was 2016, so two years later, when we implemented HubSpot and uh, hired first full-time marketeer. One decision that we made also when we when we opened up uh, Stockholm office, so this was uh, late 2015, we decided to do uh, content marketing in local languages. I think it was a smart move back then because if you only write in English, it's super crowded. I mean, the topics we covered back then, different type of sales tips, uh, how to be data-driven in sales and prospecting and all that, super crowded in English. But then when we wrote in Finnish, Posvenska, in Norwegian, I mean, it's not that crowded, so it's a good way to engage with the local audience. So that was one of the tips. But yeah, then we implemented HubSpot, started bringing in marketeers and um, went sort of all in in content marketing. Uh, and good decision, of course, 
Now it's super crowded in the content marketing space, so we're putting more focus on data marketing. So that's something we want to do a lot more going forward. Right. Uh, one question is also uh, when you're bootstrap, it's uh, profitability versus growth. You can only spend the money you have. Like, what was your approach there? Was there never you felt like we cracked this now? We need more money, or no? I think we always had a feeling that we have just enough money to do uh, the investments we want to do. So we didn't feel that oh, if we just had. 10 million euros we would do this and that because it was a fairly well-defined pain point we wanted to solve we wanted to help b2b salespeople and account managers to find the best possible prospects so that they would every single morning when they walk into the office they would know that these are the companies i should be in touch today and uh, we felt that we knew how to build it so and we didn't have plans that would be so nice to open up 50 new countries at the same time. So that's why we didn't really pay attention to VCs or private equity firms. We just were super focused on building the product and obviously enjoyed doing sales and customer work at the same time. So now looking back, uh, do you have any regrets? Uh, I mean, it sounded like it went according to plan from the beginning, but uh, I mean, along the way. No, I think it, even though we knew... We sort of knew SaaS thanks to Meltwater experience, so we knew the playbook and the KPIs. But I think most likely it would have been helpful to actually have some external people. Maybe they would have um, pointed out those two very different customer segments we were building a little bit earlier. So because we we got lots of small tiny customers as well and but as i said net retention for that segment was simply not good enough and then we also got bigger customers and very good net retention i think we simply spent two three years a little bit too long making that decision it would have been such a smart move to make the call early on that hey let's go up market let's put focus on integrations api use cases and and, and so on mm. i mean we did it ultimately but i think with external stakeholders who uh, have seen lots of companies, they would have most likely uh, pushed that decision uh, to be made a little bit earlier. So maybe that's a sort of regret, but I mean, there's lots of things you can regret if that's the mentality you have. So we just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, but then uh, what is your general advice to other bootstrappers that are starting out? I think it's important that even if you don't raise money, it's important that you have lots of people you can spar things with. So other SaaS entrepreneurs so that you can spar ideas also it's very easy to get blind um, to your own things so seeing other ways how people are doing things you can benchmark metrics listen to the SAS nordic podcast yes pod i mean this is excellent and also if, if you have any community events in oslo stockholm helsinki joining those as well because then you see that it, it's it's there's not only one way of doing things and what might work for you might not be the case for somebody else, but there might be also some really good things that there's no need to reinvent the wheel. So yeah. speaking with others and um, having that sort of peer group anyways. Yeah, we definitely have a lot to learn from each other here in the Nordics. and uh, Exactly. And also yeah. not only within one country, but I think um, because it is a close community, as we all know, I think. SaaS companies in Stockholm, the founders and, and key employees, they know each other. But I think then just organizing meetups where you have 
people from Helsinki and Oslo and Copenhagen and Stockholm, mm. uh, I think that would be highly valuable um, because we all, of course, want to build international companies. And that's why I, I really like the concept of SaaS Nordic, for example. Yeah, we are aiming to gather a thousand people uh, to a physical conference in, in mid-April next year. So bring the Nordics together. Exactly. Sounds good. But uh, I mean, will you ever raise capital? Is this uh, is this a slow organic growth forever? Or no, I think I think we're definitely not against external capital. I think it, if it makes sense, we should do it. And I think now also we know a lot more about this space. I mean, there's lots of things we want to do now because we know the space. I mean, the, we want to build our set of APIs, there's quite a few integrations we want to build, uh, there's lots of new data sets, there's lots of models, AI models that we can use to generate proprietary data points. So if if five years ago we didn't really know how to spend some external money, I have a lot more ideas now and we have, so maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's a, basically I'm saying that we're a lot more open for that now than we used to be. So all VC companies listening to this one, you heard it. You heard it from the man himself. Uh, that's great, Miko. Um, so what's the, what does the future hold for you guys? What's next? Yeah, a couple of, couple of things. Um, this is a pretty unique SaaS space that we're in because most of the SaaS um, segments or um, verticals are sort of global from day one, right? I mean, you can build... Uh, e-sign tool and it's somewhat global from day one or you can build marketing automation system and you can you can think of global footprint from from day one but we work with data meaning that you, you actually need to be super strong in local data and i think that's the reason why still in this space you have local champions right right so in the nordics you have i mean there's a couple of companies vino is strong but you have uh Quava in in sweden lasso x ocean.io in denmark you have bisnode they have a strong footprint in the nordics and then you in in the us you have completely different companies you have zoom info for example in the uk you might have gognism so it's, it's a space where you have regional champions um so what, what we want to do, we of course want to be one of the Nordic winners. So we'll keep going deeper and deeper in the Nordics in terms of data. Um, there's lots of opportunities in financial data. There's lots of opportunities in terms of profiling companies better. There's lots of opportunities understanding locations and global footprint of companies better. So many NLP related things like natural language processing related things we can do. So that's that's definitely one thing we want to do. Okay. Then um, we have seen that some of the most successful Vino customers, they use us uh, through connectors. So they bring the data into CRMs. So we keep developing, fine-tuning connectors we have for Salesforce, HubSpot, Dynamics, Pipedrive, WebCRM, and others. And then third one, which is a secret. Right. I can share it with this audience uh, as long as people don't share it on LinkedIn, but we're also building a global product. Mm -hmm. So that will be released a little bit later but of course it's important for us that we can also compete and 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 be a provider for those companies that need more global data so that's something we want to build and something that we have been working on quite some time when the time is right then we'll of course uh, do the actual release and exciting you heard it here first but don't share it on linkedin exactly <laughs> uh, on the on another note uh, what are you looking for right now Maybe a new striker to the football team or anything related to Vino? I think everybody talks about PLG, 
these days, right? Product-led growth. Um, mm. It's it's something that um, I mean, it's such a new concept. So that's something that I would like to really understand and also implement to some extent. For us, it doesn't only mean that hey, let's create a flow of free trials and 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 all that, but we want to make sure that you could use buy no buy using credits mm -hmm. for example so that the price scales nicely based on usage it can go up or down based on your own usage and then also i think um, when it comes to content marketing instead of us writing blogs and giving tips and creating ebooks i would like to use our own data in a very systematic way in marketing okay so i'm thinking almost like data journalism that we could actually do lots of interesting things because we have so much data about SaaS companies in the Nordics. We have information about AI companies in the Nordics or crypto companies. And we have all that data and it would be highly interesting for, for the audience. And we just need to package it in a scalable way. And I think then um, people would really enjoy the content we create, which is basically insights and information about the data we already have. So we could combine product development and, and marketing. So those are some of the areas that I'm super excited uh, at the moment. Of course, also, we always need strong strikers and midfielders for the football team as well. Of course. So if you know how to crunch data and know how to score, they should apply. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. Great. And uh, it was great having you on the show. We always ask all our guests if, if they have anybody in, in their network or maybe not in the network that they would like to see and hear on the show here. Who would you like to see here? Um, I mean, one interesting company that is a very tiny startup in Finland, Flowrite, Aro Isosar is one of the founders. So it's a very interesting uh, AI messaging, email messaging app using CPT3 uh, technology. So Aro could be excellent. Also, good friend of mine, uh, also godfather for my daughter uh, is, is VP sales at Supermetrics, Martin Ilman. So, of course, Supermetrics is a well-known success story. Um, another one, Otto Hilska is building a new company, Svarmia, uh, DevOps, uh, SaaS, and he has background at Smartly.io and other, other cool companies. So, at least those three names pop up in my head right away. All right. Yeah, there is a lot of cool companies coming out of uh, Finland, and we are happy to have the opportunity to discover those here in, in the SAS Nordic community. So uh, thank you so much, Mikko. Great having you on the show and uh, see you around. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much uh, for having me. Take care. Bye. Bye. So Daniel, what's your takeaway from this episode? First, I thought about there's something about great bootstrapped Finnish SaaS companies. But I think that's an episode of its own. We, we had Vino now, we had Supermetrics previously. There, there's something in the Finnish waters, I don't know. Um, but uh, the big takeaway for me is, again, he emphasizes how important it is to get to know your customers, to work with that data. That's where your initial investment needs to go because you don't have too much bandwidth uh, or, or uh, bankroll, so to say. So get to know your customers initially and build on that cohort and build something for them. And the data-driven, really focused sales from the beginning, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And I think it was also very impressive how they took their knowledge from his meltwater time 
and applied uh, that model a little bit to his new venture. I think that was really clever and really smart. What about you, Thomas? Yeah, so so maybe if you don't have that background being worked as a SaaS company for seven or eight years, I think he also said, you know, how important it was with the community learning from others. And that's, of course, the place into what we are doing, which is, uh, I mean, that's nice. And also when you hire people, find the right people to work with that you that have the right attitude. And along the way, I mean, just um, knowledge share with others, network, uh, I think that's a part of how you get successful, especially if you want to bootstrap from the beginning. Definitely. And I think this this is exactly why we're putting together the, the roadshow and the meetup. So uh, if you haven't seen already, soon enough, you'll see that we will be in a city close to wherever you guys are to bring the community together. And we hope to see tons of you guys there. Yeah, absolutely. And we are also very curious about learning more of, uh, of Vainu and their services. I mean, we are very interesting to map out the SAS landscape here in the Nordic. So I think we will use Vainu a bit for that as well. And uh, we are also working with some other great software here in the Nordics. Uh, as we said uh, last episode, we have got the chance to work with Membrane and their great CRM and uh, yeah, looking forward to do that journey as well. All right. On that note, have a great weekend. Bye-bye.